Okay, so this is uh, this is Neil Morse, and this is musicians having coffee and talking about stuff. Yeah. And my guest today is Mr. Steve Hackett. Absolutely, yeah. And so we can talk about anything you know, anything you want. Uh, you can talk Absolutely. about Siberia. You can talk about boils. You can talk about indeed anything that you'd yeah. like to talk about. They're both fascinating subjects about which I know very little. Yeah, fortunately, with the uh, with the with the latter, Siberia. At least I've been to Russia, not Siberia, but I have, and I guess you've played in Russia yourself, have you? Have you? I have oddly you enough, I, I've only sang in a choir there. In right really? after the, right after the wall came down, my dad was a right. choir director, and he right. um, there was an all Unitarian uh, group of uh, mostly choir directors from all over the all over right. America. And right. they put together this choir, and they needed another tenor. And my dad said he would pay right. for me to go, and so we okay. uh, toured Russia, and it was great because we only sang a concert like every three days, and the rest of the time we were just oh. touring around. And uh, it was amazing. It was right after yeah. the wall came down, and it was incredible. Yes, there used to be a restaurant in Kings Road, London, the heart of the swinging sixties, uh-huh. which was called Borsch. And tears, Borscht being, yeah. I guess, some Russian uh, 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 delicacy, one assumes. Yeah, it was beet um, soup with was, sour cream in it. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah. would, you know, there was that. And I just remember it was in the days before I had, before I'd really grown up, you know, I, in the 60s, I was still in my teens, you know, and um, yeah. and in the early days. I used to see these fascinating places and I had no money to go inside them and I was far too young and all of that. But my school was uh, situated very near Chelsea football ground, the soccer team, oh, Chelsea. Really? It was situated there. And I we lived in Pimlico and it was about um, a mile or a mile and a half along Kings Road. And you could see the whole of the 1960s developing in, in front of your eyes, the fashions, the right. Rolling Stones, when they were very young, were marching up and down the street very, very often. Right. The Beatles were literally going to a, a restaurant just around the corner, which I was always fast. Oh, seemed to have lost you again. Oh, my God. Yeah, somebody ah, somebody called me. Ah, that's okay. <laughs> anyway, it, it always seemed like... It always seemed like with the 1960s that the party was going on somewhere else, usually with your older brothers in song, you know, the Rolling Stones, yeah. the Beatles. The Stones were five years older or so it seemed. The Beatles, in some cases, were 10 years older. Um, Lennon was born in 1940. I was born in 1950. And I was born Never in 1960. I was born in was 1960. Born in yeah, yeah. Wow, well, this, this, this is it. You know, so I turned 71 this year. Oh, wow. Which I'm not... There we go. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm nearly 17, dear boy, you know. Wish <laughs> <laughs> it, you know. Um, but um, the only time I ever had any contact with John Lennon, and this you might find this very strange, I went to see a woman who was a medium in London at the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain. No kidding. Called them devil worshippers, whatever you like. And this woman said, have you got any cont- anything with, with uh, John Lennon? 
And I, I said, well, funnily enough, I've just recorded a song that John Lennon only recorded in demo form, which was called Grow, Grow Old Along With Me, World Without End, brackets World Without End. Ah. And at that time, I had some pals in Bermuda who were trying to get a film made of Lennon's life, um, um, a kind of um, biopic in a way. Hmm. And they found a guy called Gary Gibson, who looked the spitting image of John Lennon and sounded exactly like him as well. Oh, wow. And he, he was doing a performance of Twist and Shout, and I thought it was Lennon, but it, it was this guy, so he was absolutely made for the film. And I, I recorded a version of this song and kind of updated it and, and, and really went to town over it. And, um, and it was this, this medium woman said, have you got any you know, connection with John Lennon? And I said, I said um, well, I, I just recorded this song. And he said, and you were thinking, this woman said to me, and you were thinking of sending it to Yoko, weren't you, with a bunch of red roses? And I said, well, yes, funny enough, I was. And... Yoko Ono was going to perform in London at that time. Oh, wow. And I did get this song to her, and I did send her some roses, and I did meet her. Ah. Uh, and so, how strange. No, never met. The only Beatle I met, in reality, was, was Paul McCartney at one point, and I had a conversation with him, which was very sweet and very brief. Mm -hmm. uh, the Stones, I'd met Mick Jagger. I didn't mean to be bragging about all, all of this sort of stuff but no. you know it's it's very very odd yeah two stones i met uh, and, and it was a conversation with jagger when he was in brazil and it was a conversation with bill wyman obviously when he was still a stone um at the led zeppelin reunion they only had one which was for armit ertigan of atlantic records oh, when he passed oh yeah yeah but everybody saw it as the Led Zeppelin reunion, but as far as Zepp themselves were concerned, and particularly Robert Plant, he saw it as you know a tribute to um, uh, uh, Ahmet Erdogan. And I happened to be there. I didn't have a ticket, but I was working. It sounds like name drop, name drop, and I, I do apologise for this. No, no, but it's I was fine. working. With, I was working with Chris Squire at the time. We were doing a number of things projects together oh were you doing the and, squack the um, squack it thing squack it thing. that's right yeah and he said to me well if you want to go to the gig why don't you just carry my guitar in so i used to you know so i i drove him to the gig um with my wife and, and his wife scotty and my wife joe and i i carried his guitar in so i was his roadie for the night you know what i mean <laughs> he said get me through the door and fine and, you know, it was actually, you know, an extraordinary gig. You know, we were standing right at the back um, in a box and it was still definitely loud. I think it was the loudest gig I'd ever been at. And I know that John Paul Jones, who I'd done something with in Japan. And again, I do apologize for, for name dropping. We did a, a thing called Guitar Wars with uh, Nuno Betancourt and Paul Gilbert. Oh, wow, great. And Mike Luter and uh, all, all very lovely totally under-rehearsed, but everyone blistering away as fast as they could. Right. Trying to knock each other off the perch, as guitarists do when they get together. Yes, yes, of course. And, um, at that time, now, uh, 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 John Paul Jones had just done the thing with, sorry, the guys from 
I'm not going to get the, the names right. The thing that he did, was it Them Crooked Buzzards or a name like that, the name of the band that he'd, he'd had with, um, uh, you know, the guys that were the spin-off from... Um, God, I'm losing it. Mr. Amnesia here. But anyway... <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'd love to help you out, but I don't, I'm not sure. And he said, if, if you thought that was loud, you know, this, this, this thing that, he, that he'd done with Dave Grohl, was just hugely loud. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. So it's the. Oh, I, there we are. I wish concerts we, we, wouldn't have to be on, so loud. On, on, on In fact, I really appreciated it, Steve, when I, I saw you on the cruise, on the cruise to the edge. Yeah. The mix was lovely and not too loud at all. It was very nice, oh, very very comfortable on the ears. I appreciate that. I've always that. loved it. I've always loved doing those cruises, and and, and um, I don't know about you, but um, you know. Some of my friends in our musical fraternity uh, feel uncomfortable about, you know, mixing with with fans. But you know what? I don't mind it at all. Unless I'm trying to get to the stage and I have to say in this elevator full of people right. because I've got to be on stage in five minutes, you know. I'll talk to anyone. I shouldn't be advertising this. I didn't say this. But, you know... <laughs> Provided you're not trying to sort of eat breakfast in seconds flat or, you know, you've got to be somewhere to do a photo yeah. signing or something like that. You know yourself. Yeah, there, um, was, a, there was a funny... How did you, find, did, did oh, you love it? Yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we love yeah, it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of funny things that happen. I remember there, there was this big to-do on one of them because I was to guest with my old band Spock's Beard in the yeah. theater like at 10 o'clock. And then yeah. uh, Transatlantic and John Anderson were, yeah. were going on to close the cruise on the, at the pool stage, I think at 11. Oh. And so I wasn't doing my thing with Spocks till about 10 minutes till 11. And the, right. you know the idea was how are we going to escort? Well, you know the, they got this escort for me and they took me down to the catacombs yeah. and walked. Yeah. Well, after we walked the length of the ship, you know, way down where all the crew is, and there's because there's no borders or anything. Then we yeah. go upstairs and they put me in the elevator with all the fans that yeah. had just been at the show. <laughs> so I'm like, right. Hi. Yeah. Uh, it's just <laughs> can't stop. Can't stop now. But yeah, on my way to yeah. See you guys, yeah. at the, and this is you know elevators are a yeah. little awkward anyway, right? <laughs> so. I know he was too big time to sign my you know to sign my butt because he had, he said he had to be on stage. I never believed that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but most of the people are really great and really uh, oh, it's yeah, really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a funny moment one time. I was feeling emotional. I haven't told anybody about this. I was on the Spock's beard was playing. My old band was playing on the pool stage. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you just want to sit there and, in, and take it in and enjoy it. Yeah. You know? Um, sure. And so I'm, I'm on the stairs watching them. And, and frankly, I was kind of missing them. I was like, wow, there's yeah. my, my brothers in the band. There's my brother. And sure. I was having a bit of an emotional moment. And this guy sure. comes up, like gets like way close talking, you know, like, yeah. Total space invasion. <laughs> and he's like, Well, I, I can't believe what you're saying. I can't it's believe like, I'm standing here with Neil Morse. I'm like, oh, not now, please. You know. <laughs> right. But mostly yeah. it's okay. You know. Yeah, there, 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 there's a time and a place, you know. I mean, and um you know, I'm I mean what what happens is that 
everyone is literally in the same boat, of course, you know, the cliche. Yeah. But uh, there'll be moments when you're, you, you'll see the mighty having, you know, somebody will have had a little bit too much to drink or uh, no. somebody's wife will, you know, be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. being carried. And, uh, it's like, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's so natural in a way, you know, because you're all, you're all part of the crew at that point, you know, there, yeah. there, there is no separation unless you want to be very precious about it and remain in your cabin Right. Only appear for your show, disappear off to be wafted into a private paradise somewhere. <laughs> right. That's not style at all, and I suspect it's not yours. You know, I I like to mix. I like to know what people like. I like to, uh, you know, be at one with people unless it gets too much. But usually, yeah, people are respectful enough. Mm-hmm. You know that it was okay. I used to love doing it when John Wetton was was there i loved doing it when chris squire was there uh, um, we only ever all performed on stage together one time and it was cruise to the edge and we all did a version of all along the watchtower really and it's there on youtube yeah and what you see is not a perfect performance it's the gesture it's the you see that camaraderie, you know, where everybody's kind of got their arms around each other and there's, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And um, it's a very lovely, it's a very lovely thing. So I, I always prize it. And, you know, it's, it's such a shame that it doesn't look like it didn't happen. It didn't happen. We have to defer it. And it looks like it probably won't happen next year. Um, maybe it'll happen the year after. I'm, I'm always up for it whenever it's happening. Maybe yeah. it'll happen. I hope maybe so. It'll happen. Yeah, maybe it's 2023. No one has a crystal ball here. I, I'm, all I can say is, because, of course, we're on record saying this, is that I'm open for business when everyone else is open for business. And um, Yeah, me too. Other than that, uh, I, you know, clairvoyance, have I none? <laughs> right. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I've had a lot of uh, people ask me what some of my favorite gigs are, and um, yeah, some of my favorite moments have been on the ship. But some, and also, again, some really funny moments. I came out the last—I think it was the last time, the last time we were there—to yeah. do the Flying Colors set on the pool stage, right. and it was so windy. And they'd taken it. Uh, we were overtime an hour. They took so long to get us set. You know, you're waiting for your crew to say, "Okay, everything's set. You're ready to oh, go yes. on." You know. And yeah. so they finally say that, and I we go on stage, ah, oh, intro tape, you know, and my computer, yes. my computer has blown shut <laughs> with all the keyboard well, sounds in it, right? So, yes. it, and it's not like you can just open it up and everything's there. You have to reboot and it, oh, you, know, you know, and the show is we, going. And then for some reason, I left my lanyard on with my badge. And the wind, mm. so then I'm, they had another keyboard there. They had an organ that I could play. So I'm playing the organ, and I'm trying to remember the words to the song while all this stuff is going on, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then this, the lanyard starts whip, whipping me in the eye. <laughs> it starts going, uh, oh, poof. my God. Oh. <laughs> and I'm singing, well, like a wheel of emotion. You know, I'm trying to be with the audience and sing this song while this thing's like yes. whipping me in the eye. So then I try to take it off, and it gets tangled in my headset. 
So now it's right. hanging halfway up my back. <laughs> they finally had to come cut my oh. lanyard off of me. It was so funny. Yeah. You see, you're, you're allowing people backstage into the reality saying all of that. You know, those who worship you as a god will be, you know, um, enlightened and appalled in equal measure. Because <laughs> right. there we are, you see, it's like... Oh, you mean he has those problems too? You know, um, but surely, surely not. And um, and 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 we're all like that. You know, we, we all have those moments where, uh, you know, uh, I remember being on stage and 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 and, and falling over the monitors because I hadn't had a chance to do a sound check and <laughs> pinned down by the weight of a of a Les Paul at the time in Italy years, yeah. years ago, cold sober. But you know, when you're a dead fly on a stage. We, not being able to move with your feet up in the air, you know, you can't, um, you know, that's all pretense is yes. is over. You know, it's the same as Laurence Olivier talking about this sort of stuff, you know. Right. The, when some guy's trousers have fallen down or whatever, you know, that's it. Uh, and um, but we, we wouldn't know things like that would ever happen to you, Steve. Gonna, that would ah, never happen to you. It, now that would never happen to you, but you know it's it's um, uh, it always seems at the beginning when you start out as a professional that mistakes like the sort of stuff that you're talking about only happen only happen to your band to you, and you don't know until you start sharing old war stories like this, you yeah. know. Uh, with everyone that you, know, you think that's bad. Well, I remember the time that blah, 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 you know, right. and um, uh, the time when... Spinal tap moments. The, the spinal tap moments where where uh, everything had died a death and, and the guitarist is is hitting the, uh, the, um, the stage with a shoe because everything else has died. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I remember doing push-ups on a gig when all else had failed and I happened to be going through a particularly fit phase at the time where <laughs> I could, you know, and, um, uh, but you know, they, these are not the things for which we will be remembered, but it's, 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 how do you, how do you get through you're as a human as, as anyone else? And, um, uh, it's, a, you know, I wouldn't change it. Would you, you know, for all those things, you know, the, the very first gig I ever did with Genesis where I played so many bum notes, that uh, I'm surprised that I didn't get um, sacked immediately, you know, fired immediately. Um, really? Where was the Where was the first gig? That was University College in London, and mm. um, I just was using a new fuzz box, and it was fine for sound check. And yet, of course, everyone turned up. The gig box was feeding back like crazy. You know, I'd never used a stack live professionally, so. Because of this feedback, I forgot every single down note I was supposed to be playing. Right. So it was a bit like the atonal Genesis set, you know. You <laughs> um, survive these things. Death, death of a thousand cuts. I felt might be easier, um, <laughs> but just totally. But do you get up on the horse when you are unseated thusly? Answer: Yes, or else you wouldn't still be doing it. Have you? Yeah. You must have had lots. Of Moments like this as well. We're talking about embarrassing moments, ladies and gentlemen. Is yes. that right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm. In fact, I've talked, well, wound up talking about a lot of them on this podcast. Because, um, yeah. you know, I had a, I did one with my brother, and we, you know, grew up doing crazy 
just crazy gigs together circus gigs you know um just insane things with you know all i i've i think in its own way all my years of playing what i would call death gigs uh yeah prepared me i remember um I, right in the middle of of a festival uh, um not a big festival it was a prog festival so a smaller one yeah but uh like my my rig went down uh right at a pivotal moment in the music mm-hmm. you know right before the big climax and yeah. um and I, you know, so we kind of stood there. My tech came out. We had to restart the thing and, you know, do all that. Uh, but it struck me what some of the people backstage said. They said they'd never seen anybody handle something like that with such, you know, calm. And I'm like, well, I've just yeah. been, I've been through it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> that- well, I, th- I think, I think this is the thing about, you know, when suddenly. The script has all been torn up. The amp has died. The drummer has had a heart attack. Um, whatever it is, and the act keeps going. I mean, God, we had this so many times back in the day in Italy, where right, yeah, in in nineteen seventies when when we used to tour back then with the with the old band. Um, Every gig, the power would always go. It would be some generator that, that, that gave up the ghost. The yeah. lights would go out, power would go, and there might be one mic working, and Peter Gabriel would be going, you know, Phil, can we do our, you know, whistling along with some Colonel Bogey moment, you know, and um, just doing something British that until the power comes back on. And... Um, I guess it's how you handle that. For guitarists, it has to be, um, yep, everything's blown up. Keyboard player's looking at me saying, his computer's gone, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm looking at Jonas Reingold and Craig Blundell and go, well, keyboards have died a death, but perhaps, you know, the three of us or four of us can, with Rob Townsend, we, we, can, we can suddenly do a blues Right, um, or or sing something, or you know, try to just, sing. You know, the the, la- the last thing on on your mind, but yeah, but and then afterwards, you get the the occasional person who will say, "Well, actually, I I, I really enjoyed that." You know, the fact that it wasn't um, it wasn't difficult music. Yeah. It was merely honest music. It was it was played for fun. It was played for laughs. And, yeah, um, I've heard that know, many that times. Spirit, Actually, people yeah. have, people have been to the gigs where everything broke, and people have been to the gigs yeah. where everything went smoothly. And many yeah. times they'll say, "You know, I really enjoyed the one where everything broke because it was so unique." <laughs> yeah, like, oh. well, that's right. Yeah, because people want how, to connect. You, you know, how, how do you handle that? You know, it's a bit like, um, what do you remember? Things that went wonder, wonderfully well, or do you remember lost loves for all their yeah. Um, shouldn't say warts and all that that would sound uh, um <laughs> a bit derogatory uh, that, that, <laughs> derogatory exactly but you know it's like what what do you remember you know and yeah. um i suppose you know you train and you train and professionals and you know the sound gets smoother and smoother you know you, the band is right on the money and suddenly there's a cloud burst on a yeah. sunny day you must have a lot of that 
Yeah, I would think you guys would have had a lot of that, like during the Lamb tour, with all the oh, technology you were trying to use yeah. and whatnot. Oh yeah, I mean we had stuff where where, where Monsieur Gabriel used to um, throw something at, 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 at some rocks, and there would be an explosion. And, and one night, I think it was in um, Oslo, in, in 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 Norway, when someone took put too much flash powder in the. Uh, in the uh, in in the bit by the rock that, that that would go off that was coordinated and it just blew out all of the um, all of the PA bins and so the gig just finished at that wow. moment that was it. Um, <laughs> we went up. I remember seeing Floyd with a similar moment where they used to fly the, the plane into 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 the stage and right. this was when we were doing Dark Side at a theatre called the Rainbow in in London which. The theatre no longer it, it exists, but it is no longer uh, a rock and roll venue. Mm. And the sound when the plane crashes into the stage and the explosion was so loud, I my ears were just you know it was just killing me. Yeah. Afterwards, wow. Um, it's a wonder that any of us have got any hearing left at all. I, right. How, how's yours these days? Shouldn't I? Um, it's okay. Are, Last time I had it checked, but. There's there is quite a bit of of ringing. That's that's for sure. You know, I wanted to talk to you. I uh, yes. I I know that you uh, have a lot of experience with collaborating and then with not collaborating, which I do yeah. as well. And sure. the I I I heard it mentioned that um, in one of your interviews, you talked about you know the reason why you wanted to. Um, uh, you know, start your solo career and not be in Genesis anymore was uh, aut yeah. uh, you said one word oh, autonomy. Oh. Yeah. Yes. And right. um, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I, I, uh, how shall I say it? I grapple or I, I deal with the same sort of issues. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I really yeah. like working and writing on my own and calling all the shots. But mm. I also do. I really love collaborating. I really love uh, getting with the uh, with other people. But it, what a it's a, what a challenge it is. Well, it, it is, and I think um, our songwriting partnerships. Um, I, I mean, I have this thing. I'm, I'm working on an album at the moment because I guess we 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 are always working on on something. That's yes. the nature of the perennial. Mm -hmm. Musician, singer, songwriter, guitarist, whatever we are, all of those things. And um, uh, I actually enjoy the process of saying, I don't know what should happen next. Over to you, my partner, whoever that might be, whether that's my wife, Jo, um, who when we met, she was a filmmaker and um, she was after me doing films that she was making and she'd been trained as a violinist as a kid now um and roger king who engineers my albums and plays keyboards in in the band that we go out with and um i seem to naturally orientate towards these two collaborators where like you i i'm 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 i'm, I'm working at home and it's very it's very easy. It's a very natural process. It's not like being in a, in a band where people are vying for supremacy 
God knows why, because I always think what serves the music ought to be ought to be everyone's God. Yeah. Um, what serves what serves the music is 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 um, uh, the priority is, is, is as far as I'm concerned. But uh, not everybody is the same. Um, I, I think you know that, that not everybody wants to share. Some people want to dominate, etc. And I always think you know there's this thing about the beauty of, of 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 solo careers as such. You've been in a band. I've been in a band. You know, and you several experiences of this sort of thing. But um, the beauty of, of of the solo experience is that that. You are potentially the Führer, the dictator. You can write everything you like, but at the same time, you can allow others in to um, any any degree that that, that you want. Um, yeah. And, uh, and and that's a very natural process. Whereas I think bands, you know, tend to have one dominant character or a clique. Um, yeah. And I'm not going to mention in any names here but you know you get factions and and and, sure. and all of that but yeah um, isn't that a drag i wish it wasn't well, that way that's that, you know band band politics are, are something that you know you can produce great great work you know amongst you know people in bands that that, that you know and they will travel in separate vehicles to the gig and never talk to each other and they merely have a professional rather than a a personal relationship. It's never been that bad uh, with me because you know I've always tried to sort of understand the people that I work with. But but yeah. you know yeah, competitiveness versus cooperation. And unless you've been there, uh, you know, I don't expect that a listener or someone in the audience to understand what I'm talking about. But you know competitiveness gets in the way so much. You know of of beautiful songs. I, I remember this with Genesis with Peter Gabriel where he would sometimes bring in a really beautiful idea and then, um, you know, that would end up being a stillborn child and um, um, it, it would be a, a shock to me that, that um, you know, something so, so lovely, um, it might take decades for that same idea to come to fruition. I would try and redress the balance over time as I as I as I realized, you know, here was something worth preserving. There's gotta be a way of making that happen. So, you know, yeah. a stillborn idea uh, can really fester. Or you go, well, honor needs to be satisfied and that that song that you tried to introduce when nobody was interested or or one person stood in the way had the power of veto. I talk about, you know, band politics and I've seen it time and time again. An idea that's great that everyone else agrees with, and one guy has got the power of veto. Boom, 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 you right? Know. Yeah. Um, I mean, please, it's interesting how that happens, uh, isn't it? How does that happen? Yeah. Well, I don't know how it happens, but um, I guess yeah, no, it eventually, does. eventually, the music is served. But I, you know, right. I think it can take it can take a long time to be in a position. Of sufficient power where you can set aside those politics and say, well, you know, here's an idea that was presented this way. I can do it this 
this way because I'm not subscribing to the limitations of, of what a band comes up with. I mean, you think of someone like George Harrison, you know, coming up with his debut is is three albums, not just one. I mean, my God, all things must pass. You know? Right, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the challenge for me with all that is... Um, you know, if you bring, if you have a beautiful idea, you feel like, you know, you've been given, it's like, it's like a gift, you it's know, a gift. yeah, yes. you know, it, no matter how you look at that, you know, I look at it like a gift from God, you know, you've been given this thing and then you feel like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I should bring it to the team because they're going to want to change it. You know, m most teams, they're, they're there. To create, I understand that they want to create yes. together. Yeah, but yeah. some of yeah. sometimes some of my most precious little themes or whatever, I'll yeah. I'll hold them back sometimes, and then I feel funny yeah. about that. But mm. sometimes, if you feel like you've been given something and it's perfect just the way that it is, yeah, yeah, um, then then it's a challenge of whether to share or not, and uh, yes. You know, of it's course, difficult. yeah, of course, the challenge then, if it's all on you, if you if mm. you know, like I made a, a album all completely on my own pretty much last year during yeah. COVID because we couldn't really get together and collaborate. So and collaborating, well, you know, you really need to be in the room together, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, or it's best that way. Um, so I made an album called Solar Gratia, which was all, you know, um, I got to have my way. But then. You know, I've gotten also quite used to the what you were saying about like you know what do you have any ideas here? I've I'm, you kind of come up yeah. to a you kind of come up to a precipice in a piece sometimes, and you're not sure mm -hmm. which direction Absolutely. to go. And yes. so the 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 other side of the coin is like, oh man, when I have to make all the decisions myself, it's like, is, is this good? Are you sure? Oh, boy, yeah, you know. <laughs> So that's, I guess the answer is it's challenging all the way around. I just think it's interesting. There's something about the tension of the bands. Yes. I think that's part of the, somehow it's part of the creative force that people love so much. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, 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 art functions um, outside of, of, of those tensions and, and the, the, the personality that is born from all the individuals is not is not dependent on uh, you know the good graces and and uh, enjo enjoyment of all the the individuals. You know the politics are going on the whole damn time. But you know I mean when Genesis was doing Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, you had a, a band that was in a state of disarray and decay and right. Peter was going one way, the band were going the other. Um, the, the, you know, it's as if everyone's locking horns and. Um, right. But um, uh, aren't many of your favorite albums? I mean, let's take the Beatles' White Album, for example. Yes. Sorry, somebody else called me. That's um, okay. I'm not used to doing this on my phone. <laughs> uh, sure. And I don't even know how to shut that, shut all that stuff off. But the, the Beatles' White <laughs> album was like that. What you know? I mean, yeah. Ringo left for three weeks, and Paul played drums on many of the tracks, or what you know, all yeah. the things that happened. But the White album, when I'm gonna, going through my albums of what to put on, that's that's a real go-to for me. Lamb lies yeah. down is a, t a total go-to for me. I love that record, and yeah, so. 
it, it just makes me wonder, you know, because you'd think it would be born out of love and peace, but love and peace and respect yeah and it's so much is turmoil and war and dissent and uh, and absence and yet you know lamb lies down for me funny enough i'm just reading uh something that was a gift from a friend uh, and it's brian eno's uh, diary oh really and yeah it's very interesting stuff um brian eno very intelligent and i worked with him when we were all very young doing uh, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Um, and I, I find it very, very interesting that, in a way, working with him, and it was just for a day. So we had this grand word, enosification, on the um, thing. This is prior to, to, to Brian Eno becoming um, the producer that, that um, you know, has the success with you too. Right, yeah. And all um, he produced Joshua Tree, didn't he? Uh, you, you know, one of the big U two albums. I know, I know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was a you know a, 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 a long association with with U two and, and David Bowie and all, all the rest. Right, um, extraordinary salubrious um, uh, stuff. But um, you know, reading that and thinking, well, he, he's the young guy that I, I remember playing a, a club. You know. A, at one point in the very early days and, and uh, Genesis was not a band that everyone had heard of and Roxy Music were our I'm not even sure if they were the support band or, or we were but um, Brian Eno was mixing live sound for them and um, he borrowed my amp <laughs> because I think um you know, it's it's just that sort of thing. That's early, great. Early days of, of, of uh, stuff, and then I'm I'm reading, you know, this this stuff, and he's he's talking about installations and all, you know, the, the sort of correlation between modern art and postmodernism and and um, and and all the stuff. And he writes very well and and couches all his arguments in you know great great um, very very eloquent and uh, all the rest, but. You know, I just remember he came in for one day with us, with, with, with Genesis, and we had most of the album recorded, etc. And oh. um, he had this little sort of synth that um, we could put sounds through. So he did some guitar treatments and some vocal treatments. Right. And So did he do the, was he what, in charge of doing that effect? That it's the last great invention next to mankind thing. Yeah, all that. That's that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that, and and um, and that level of technology was very similar to something I had, which was called the Synthy High Fly, which was uh, a so-called synth for guitarists. It was a ah. guitar pedal that made guitars yodel as well as vocals yodel. <laughs> so it's that, yeah, that 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 kind of thing. And uh, he had one little box where. Uh, the vocals were played back through it, and everything that the, that the singer announces came back as blah blah blah. You know, it, all the words were blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Hugely funny. We were falling about listening to this stuff, and it was just a lot of fun because here he was 
coming into this tightly knit group with all its hierarchies and everything. And um, and I thought, I wonder if he's going to survive a day working with us without being, you know, taken down a peg, torn to shreds, etc. You know, hierarchical. So, but we just had one day where nothing was hierarchical, and um, he just got on with doing his thing. Yeah, it may have been. At the, at, the, at the end of the day but um, I think you know that's really lovely to be able to breeze in and breeze out you know as a as a sort of almost like a Japanese honoured visitor you know mm-hmm. um, bestow your gifts upon us you're right in this sort of um, yeah you know uh, you're not going to be demoted for doing this you just come in fresh and you're just full of ideas and that was great, you know. Um, That's great. And I, I, think, I think with group with groups, it can be very, very hard where everyone has got their allotted task and it's almost fixed. It's like the civil service, you know, or, or a government, you know. There's a prime minister or a president and then there's his second in command and blah, 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 blah. You know, you get this kind of hierarchical thing that I think people don't realise how, how, how limiting that can be. You know, in other words, somebody may have a great idea, but actually, if you're not the grand vizier, you're in no position to do that. You have to be founder member, fuhrer, all of these things. The groups, you know, that's why I think it's very, very interesting when someone comes in from from outside who comes in maybe just to do a solo or a, or a vocal or to be a guest. You know, in this fixed society, and uh, yeah. stick a bob beneath it if 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 that's what's required in order to do something entirely different that no one expected, almost as if you're quoting Monty Python and uh, the Spanish <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition. Yes, yeah, that's it. Nobody expects Neil Morse to come in and blow <laughs> the balls off something with this vocal that he's going to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the bands. I remember Steve Morse saying to me before we made the first Flying Colors record, uh, there was some talk about whether we should get a producer or not. And, right. And Steve said, well, I think we should have Peter Collins come in and produce if for no other reason we have someone else to blame besides each other when we don't like the way the record came out. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, boy. which is totally Steve. It's like that way. It'll just save us from turning on each other. We can all just turn on him. We can all just blame him. Now, this is before we've recorded a note. Right before you've recorded a note. Yes, he's already right. predicting that we're going to be very dissatisfied. It was very funny. Uh, it's it's like it's it's like a buffer state between you know the Russians and the Chinese or right or something. We need someone you know, to blame. Everyone needs. Yes, you know, everyone needs. Uh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't trash countries here, and and uh, you know we're in, you know, a serious world crisis with, with this kind of stuff. But oh um, yeah, yeah. The the buffer state that is is the producer, you know, because I think that producers can come in for a lot of flack. You know, I remember talking to a very famous producer, and I won't mention his name. And I said, well, what do you do when when bands? Um, you know, are at each other's throat, and, and no one could agree on anything. And he, uh, and he said, "Well, I just give them more drugs." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one answer. <laughs> yeah, that's one answer. Yeah, that, what does a producer do? Yeah, you right. know, he, he meditates sufficiently to get everyone off his back. 
so that he can get on with the job of making the record, you know. And yeah. Some producers, of course, you can do everything. I remember being interviewed on, on, on British TV when um, it was the death of the, of the late, great um, George Martin, and um, they were asking me on, on, on the six o'clock news, what does the producer do? And I said, well, a producer can do everything or nothing. Right. And what I should have said was that in, in George Martin's case, was he Beatle number five? And I would counter with, yes, I think he was Beatle number five and six. You know, that, yeah. that, that it's so important that, that the producer's role, if somebody like that is coming up with orchestrations. Yeah, horn uh, arrangements and all that, yeah. Arrangements and and, mm -hmm. and, and and taking songs in in their fledgling form and suggesting that perhaps we should start with the chorus, etc. I mean, right, yeah. I wanted to talk about the day that we did high voltage together. You, yes, that's right. They told, yeah. didn't they tell everybody to be there at like some ungodly hour, like seven fifteen a.m. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. You've got a good memory there. Yeah, of course. And I was just coming on for for um, the encore of the encore or whatever it was with you guys. Yeah, transatlantic. And um, it was. Um, I hadn't played that song since about. 1972, I think, and right. um, uh, Hogweed, as you, you described it as the old, the old war horse, and you're quite right, you know. And um, but you know, it felt great. I, I seem to remember that you guys took the pace a little faster than the original on the record. <laughs> I'm sure we did. Gains. You know what? It only, it only gains from being slightly faster. So mm. when I re-recorded it again with you very kindly on on vocal, ah, um, yeah. we 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 took your pace really at that, you know. So it was snappier and ah. it had a sort of almost a, a kind of punky pace to it, you know. And uh, I, I enjoyed it for that extra energy, and I thought you did a great job on the vocals. Oh, which, thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Well, I thought you yeah. were you did a great yeah. job at that gig, but I just thought it was so funny. Over those two days, uh, you and I wound up spending a bunch of time together. Do you yes. remember that? I think it was the day before that we were supposed to rehearse, but you and I were the only ones that made it. You and I were the only ones that oh, showed up. Do you remember that? Probably yes, yes, I do. And that was in a house. Yes, at a friend of mine's, a friend of mine's house. Yeah. In in in, in the annals of memory, that's right. I remember showing up, and Pete was on bass. And um, he showed up, I'm sure. I don't you, think he did. I think that they, but there was some horrible accident, and like the, neither one of them could get there or something. So you I and I guess. just had lunch in the in that little backyard area, and then yeah, yeah. And, and, and what, what what's strange is is that I'm sure that some of the band were literally turning up on the day of the gig, you know, overnight overnight flights and 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 very little yeah. um, sleep. And, and and what have you and so um, and then on that morning it was just yeah. me you and joe we were the only yeah. ones that showed up on time <laughs> do you remember that well, like uh, everybody else showed up at like nine o'clock and we were just there having coffee for a while right. before anything happened I, that's what i remember anyway well that's right you know one tries to be professional about these things it's I, not rock and roll don't get any votes for that you know i appreciate that is what everyone, <laughs> rock and roll, yeah, it's like, you know, and he was shooting up, and it was, 
no, no. I, the truth is that 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 um, God, I've I've had that. I remember playing with with Evelyn Glennie on the London stage where she's doing percussion. She got this OBE from the Queen and everything, and and um, Scottish percussionist, girl percussionist. Uh-huh. And, um, she gets there at every gig at six in the morning. Starts un- un- unloading this pantechnicon. Wow! And we're doing a an interview on stage before the gig, and she starts berating me because I didn't show up or my equipment didn't show up until ten in the morning. <laughs> and I said, "Well, actually, my crew had to come in from you know two hours away." And um, you know, why was it that your your equipment was late and all this sort of stuff? And I, Oh, I see. <laughs> wow. I can only account for myself. Others, you know, um, <laughs> there's human need or, or um, there's, jo- there's this thing called geography, you know. Right. Uh, but there- I thought it was great that you were uh, so uh, diligent about it. I mean, you were just doing the, the spot at the end, but um, that was all part of it coming off so well. And, yeah. and what, what a great time that was. Yeah. And I was so glad I didn't make a scene because I, the, for the whole first 20 minutes of that set, yeah. as I recall, I had uh, feedback coming through my monitor that was like a foghorn. You know the one? Like continuous. Well, but that, that, that is what happens at festivals, isn't it? That's the right. beauty of festivals. Or rather, the beauty and the beast of, 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 of festivals is something goes wrong. And you don't have time to fix it because a band is on. Then the next contestant yeah. who wants to play. And so you. But I made a conscious decision because it can be very distracting for the audience. You know, if you get up there, yeah. and yeah. especially like the first thing you do is like, "Hey, I need my," you know, because I've seen people do that. I, I saw. Yeah. I saw Greg Lake do that at High Voltage with the uh, at the ELP sure. reunion thing. Yes. Um, yeah. And it just kind of makes a weird vibe for the audience, like, oh, he's upset, and it, yeah. or, you know. So I just decided I was just going to ignore it. I mean, and it was like the first twenty minutes of the thing yeah. that was just it was pretty hard to ignore. But I was really glad I did yes. because it turns. I asked Rich Mauser, the front of house guy, afterwards, like, what yeah. about that feedback? In fact, Mike says it. I think if you watch the YouTube or whatever of our performance, I think he says, yeah. uh, the, you know, here's the four guys and the fifth member of, of the band, the feedback. It's because we had all this feedback well, in our monitors the whole time, but Rich did not I, have I, it. And when I watched it on TV, I was like, oh, it's fine. So I, I seem to recall, I seem to recall that um, we were playing away on stage, my band, the following day, and... Um, one side of the PA went out for a substantial part of one of the numbers. And on stage, we were unaware of that because that is facing the audience. But, right. you know, that, that could be any one of the audience walking past somebody's dog kicking out a, pu- a plug somewhere. But that's that's the live experience, isn't it? You know, it is. Um, uh, have you ever have you ever been uh, ever festivals. been playing uh, ever been playing at the pool stage on the cruise, and then mm. they have their announcements like, um, you know, it'll have to be at trivia. We'll have trivia on the third deck, and don't forget the sculptures, the ice sculptures. Or, you know, they have all these announcements. Well, on the yeah. pool deck, the last year or so, they said mm. because of safety regulations, they have yeah. to cut the PA and set, have that stuff go through the PA during your gig. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I was so glad Mike didn't have it in his ears. 
or he yeah. would have just gone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think he would have been well, very happy about that. <laughs> no, there is that. Yes, I mean, you know, I, the, 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 there will be times in the course of, of a lifetime when, you know, you'll be, uh, what is it? This comes down to uh, Spinal Tap, you know, the puppet show must go on or, or, or whatever it is. There's, there's, yeah. there's something going on. I mean, I've, I've done some stuff, some French Canadian um, uh, 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 stuff where we're playing away and there's another band <laughs> have either started up or we're playing over the top of them. And you go, well, hey, I can't do anything about that. I'm booked to play now. That's, that, that's me. This is my slot. So, um, you know, we all want, the Immaculate Conception, and we settled for for rock and roll at the end of the day. So. At the end of the day. That yeah. is right, yeah. sir. Yeah. So. Well, I'm such a big fan, Steve. Thank you. And I, me too. And, and and it's been great talking. And I I have to love you and leave you at this point. Um, oh, that's to, all right, uh, man. Thank you for playing that so, the solo that you played uh, on my album, uh, the Question Mark oh, album. Pleasure. It's pleasure. a beautiful, no. beautiful solo. Pleasure. we and, and thank you. Love it. Thank you for what, what you've done for me as well. So um, hopefully we'll do stuff in the future. And um, Yeah, love that. To all those fans out there who've been listening to us, wittering on about our, <laughs> our glories and our defeats, you know, uh, uh, it's just great to share it all, really. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, if it really is all about, you know, all the, all the, the result of the music, That's it. then... Yeah. Uh, we are we are very blessed indeed. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So yeah. all the best to you. All the and, best to um, you. All the best to Joe. And uh, thank you. Look forward Brilliant. to seeing you whenever time permits. Yeah. Indeed. Always good to be yeah. be with you, Steve. And thank you for doing yeah. this. All the, all the best. All right, man. Okay. All the best. Time.